Welcome to Sports, Pets, and Politics with your hosts, Ben Husong and me, Sean Hannon. What are you doing without a mask? You're going to get your droplets all over me. Look, Dr. Fauci, it's been an interesting year or so, but after those emails got leaked, I I don't think I can trust you anymore. Oh, you don't need to worry about those. It's me, Dr. Fauci. I wouldn't hurt you. Let's just stay locked down a little bit longer, and if you're good, I'll let you gather with three of your friends on the 4th of July. No, I'm done letting you control me. Ugh, control you? Have you been talking to Rand Paul again? I told you to socially distance from him. Rand is my friend. He listens to me. He wants to get you killed, Andrew. I'm your only real friend. You need to figure that out before it's too late. Look, Dr. Fauci, at the start, we both agreed this was going to be a short, two-week-long thing. But then it blew up into something long-term and serious because I was too passive to assert that I needed freedom. And you kept manipulating me into thinking I needed you. Andrew, Andrew, listen to me. If you leave me, your grandmother is going to die. See, this is exactly what I mean, Dr. Fauci. Look, I'm sorry. It's true, Andrew. The droplets, Andrew! The droplets are going to get all over your grandmother! Stop saying droplets, please. She's going to be covered in the droplets, Andrew! She's going to die! Why should I believe you? After you've lied to me? I'm done. And I mean it this time. (laughs) What use is it? You're right. I'm so useless. I can't do anything right. Of course I messed this whole thing up. No, come on. That's not true. Droplets. Droplets. I've got droplets coming from my eyes. Droplets. Dr. Fauci! I told you to stay the hell away from my husband! Thank you so much for watching. Please like, share, subscribe, comment below. And a special thank you to Tim Poole for his voiceover work as Dr. Fauci. Welcome to Sports Clicks and Politics. Let me hit the unmute button. I want to thank Freedom Tunes. I had to share that with you guys. I thought it was pretty funny. Uh, Breaking up with Dr. Fauci. Uh, Freedom Tunes. Go check those guys out on YouTube. But... Uh, welcome to episode 53 of Sports Clicks and Politics. We have a jam-packed show. Mr. Hughesong, thank you for joining us. Pleasure as always. It's always a pleasure. You're right. What do you think of the cartoon there I did? <laughs> I so didn't do it, but the droplets. It's so dumb. I know. <laughs> but I did laugh, so yeah, I guess I'm funny. dumb too. That's right. Well, it was dumb. It was dumb humor. So, all right. Well, we do have a pretty big show. We got a uh, live interview at the end of the program today. Dr. Chris Brown, superintendent of uh, Marcus Whitman School District. Going to talk New York schools and maybe some other things that uh, tickle our fancy here. But uh, we got some news to get to before that. Uh, first, before we get into that, make sure everybody does their duty and uh, hits that share, hits that like on the video here. And uh, if you want to uh, help the channel out, you can subscribe and hit that notification bell, and that'll get you alerted to when we release new content, like we do every Monday here at 12. Mr. Husung, how was your weekend? My weekend was good. Other than almost, you dodged a tornado, I heard. I did dodge a tornado, so now I can add that 
to like the bucket list and check it off of uh maybe dodge is an overstatement yeah. but i did get an alarm that told me a tornado was in my area and that i should get to a basement so being the dutiful father that i am i woke up my children and my wife and we got the kids downstairs and thankfully we have a bed down there for them so we just put them all in the bed and they're like what's going on um you know nothing it's, it's we're just having a little sleep down here and they asked like well there's a tornado warning and they all freaked out and said listen if it was going to be imminent we would see it it's fine you're all safe everybody go back to bed and god bless my children they looked at me and they were like okay right. and immediately went back to sleep well that's a matter of trust that they have in you there it's, <laughs> it's really i wouldn't abuse that like, god bless them and then naturally me being the incredibly smart person i am after my wife and children were all in the bed downstairs safe in the basement walked back upstairs to see if i could see the tornado coming well, I, I mean, that would be the bucket list. That would be the bucket list. I was really curious. I was like, if this comes, I don't want to miss like seeing some of it. Not, not quite as uh, 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 traumatic, but I did get to witness the partial eclipse. Did you get to wish it? The, it was, you had I to be it. up at the crack of ass, like 538 or some you shit. You just so. say at the crack of ass. Yeah. <laughs> like the ass crack of dawn. Yeah. <laughs> That's when you got to be up to see the partial eclipse. So God bless you. I made it. I made it. I actually went to... Uh, one of the three hills we have here in Syracuse, Thornton Park, it, uh, probably one of the biggest ones that you can actually see in the city, at least. You can see to the north. So, yeah, it was That's pretty great. cool. Anyway, I don't know. My my shitty iPhone camera didn't really work all that great taking a picture of it. It just looked like the normal sun. Listen, I was awake at 1240 in the morning for a tornado warning for no good reason. You think I get up at 5 a.m.? That doesn't happen. I'm not, huh. I'm not that early. I'm yet. just saying. All right. Well, let's... Uh, Let's talk. We got a couple things uh, in the news. Uh, I'm going to touch on our favorite uh, cryptocurrency, Bitcoin, getting some legitimacy. We get to touch on the Clintons, maybe, Yay. kind of, indirectly. Kind of. I don't know. We get to allude to the Clintons. And then we get to, for lack of a better word, fluff uh, former President Trump up a little bit for some topics here. It seems he was right about some things that uh, are now coming. More things, I guess, other than the, uh, the lab leak uh, hypothesis. Uh, some other things came into the news here recently uh, this week that he seemed to be right about in the original here. I guess the biggest distinction is that we're the first person to not get paid to fluff Donald Trump. <laughs> I guess. And, uh, <laughs> and then back to our board, Dr. Fauci. Did you know that, did you see his clip uh, with Chuck Todd? I, we're not going to play it because I was offended by oh, it. Oh, I but, saw it. But uh, we'll talk about how Fauci has proclaimed himself to be the science and then we'll wrap up with Dr. Brown in the interview here. So um, let's talk about, uh, again, our favorite crypto, Bitcoin, has become legal tender in the country of El Salvador, the uh, first country to do this. Um, I don't know. Do you have any initial uh, uh, thoughts on this? Uh, I don't know if it's groundbreaking. Obviously, El Salvador is kind of a tiny little country with probably a tiny little economy here, but um, kind of progress. El Salvador. Yeah, I mean... I don't know anything about it. It might be like a crime-riddled, disease-infected country. I have no idea, but I kind of want to well, check it out. Well, since 70% of the country's population does not have access to traditional financial services. So this was kind of a way to, and they've been doing some, a lot of using a lot of crypto in Africa for, un, you know, the unbanked. And India, yeah. Um, and this has kind of allowed them to kind of participate in commerce um, without having to go through a bank, which, again, you know, there's just not a... a <laughs> a fair number of, or enough about a banks to uh, cover the uh, people and there's not access to this. So I don't know. I feel like, I mean, I don't, I don't know that it has caused the price action, but Bitcoin is back above 40,000 today. Big D. I mean, yeah. I don't know that that's uh, there's a direct correlation there, but um, doesn't hurt. I find it interesting. Do you know the, how they're going to, you know, how there's big uh, craze about how uh, Bitcoin uh, costs us too much energy or you know, something like that. Right. Sure. 
So how is El Salvador going to uh, energize their Bitcoin? Do you have any idea? Coal. No. Wind. Volcanoes. Oh, I was so apparently go they have fire. a geothermal. Uh, so I was uh, close. After I went, I was going to go with earth and fire. Oh, well, it's like volcanoes. Oh, I close. was right. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know. This is kind of like a weird uh, nuance to the El Salvador thing where they're going to try to uh, use their own uh, uh, energy sources right there in the country to uh, kind of, you know, satisfy the energy needs of, of Bitcoin mining. So, I mean, geothermal is is a seems like I don't know anything about energy. I'm not that smart, but it, everywhere that has geothermal, it seems to work really well. It's very efficient from what I understand. So I don't understand. The earth is large. Not. Yeah. And it's got a lot going on underneath it that can create energy. So I don't understand why we're not using that more. I mean, it, I'm reading this article. It says zero emissions energy from our volcanoes, but I mean, volcanoes by definition are not zero emission. <laughs> like, maybe when it's dormant, it's zero. Sure. That uh, one eruption yeah. though. Right. All right. Well, so again, uh, I don't know, progress in the crypto world. Uh, I feel like this is kind of a one step closer to legitimacy. Um, you know, we've talked uh, in, in general or, or in light about uh, Bitcoin becoming a, uh, a reserve currency, but it would require a bunch of countries to kind of adapt it to do this. So we got number one in the books. Take it. It's progress. It. Yeah, Step in the right direction. For sure. Step in the wrong direction. Um, so at the risk of getting banned on YouTube here, I'm just going to read from the Hill. So police investigating death of TV anchor who uncovered Clinton tarmac meeting as suicide. So mm. this was, uh, you know, sent to me by multiple people, even friends of the show here. Um, mm -hmm. So this is a uh, Alabama, I believe he, uh, he resided in. Uh, he covered the President Clinton and uh, Attorney General Loretta Lynch. Yep. Uh, they met on the tarmac in, was it Arizona or something? Or yeah. was it Alabama? I don't even know. It was in Arizona. So wherever they met, uh, this guy got the scoop, wrote a book about it, and now he's dead. Uh, Christopher Sign. So RIP Christopher Sign here. You know, obviously everybody wants to point to the uh, the Clinton death list um, that is, now we're going to get banned. But the. Uh, you just did it. Now the, we're part of the vast right wing <laughs> conspiracy. The. Uh, it's a shame. The growing list of people who have exposed the Clintons who have died by suicide is is plus one. It's really alarming. Like, I shouldn't say it's alarming. It's weird. It's very, very weird. For those that don't remember or didn't somehow didn't hear about this, uh, while Hillary Clinton was running for president, and I believe was under some type of investigation for the email servers and everything else, the active, current... Attorney General of the United States had a secret meeting with Bill Clinton on the tarmac that they did not want recovered. Now, they came out later and said, well, we were just explain exchanging pleasantries and how are the kids? It's a little quinky dink. Uh, again, like how much, just like you just went to Epstein Island for the sun. Sure. Sure, that happened. Just like you were only on the private jet to hitch a ride. And this guy just, now another one, another one has killed himself or been suicided, depending on the vernacular you want, who had incriminating information on the Clinton family. I don't know what to do with this, Sean. Yeah, I just wanted to make everybody aware of it because it came across my little news feed here. And uh, since this is the kind of things that we make sure that we cover, I'm glad that Hill covered it. I've seen this as this. There has not been a, a lack of disconnect from the suicide to the book, which is always like, I was wondering if they were just going to kind of dismiss this, but it's, it's being covered a little bit. So, um, again, I, you know, 
I don't have any uh, details of the death, but it might be true. He right. he might have committed right. suicide. We'll have to look into that. But again, man, that's a lot of that. Like the death list is growing. It's not normal to have this many people die. Who the only thing they have in common is they went after this family. It's weird. It's yeah. really really weird. It is weird. It's uncomfortable. Very uncomfortable. And like I said, these are some of the most powerful people in the world, right? So you can see how they could get away with it. Not powerful enough to become president. Uh, well, well, yeah. Speaking, speaking of that, former president is on a little bit of a heater. I mean, he uh, I don't don't get dirty with me, Ben. Give me that weird look. He's on a bit of a heater uh, as far as. I got these right stories uh, back in the day, and uh, everybody claimed him to be a bozo, and now he's turning out to be right. Uh, the most recent one, uh, a couple days ago, the uh, inspector general uh, investigated the Lafayette Square, Square clearing. Uh, so the background the of the gas. story, when, yeah, go ahead. during the middle of the riots in Washington, D.C., for the, the Black Lives Matter protests, Donald Trump walked from the White House to, I think it was St. James Church in Washington, D.C., for a photo op to hold up the Bible and point out that we will have law and order and we will have everything under control. And it was a message of like, yeah, no, whatever. Now, earlier in the day, there had been protesters there. And of course, the media proclaimed they were all peaceful, or I think that my new favorite term is the mostly peaceful protesters, um, <laughs> other than a little arson, uh, had been over there earlier and they were cleared out by the Capitol Police using tear gas uh, and other means, like aggressively pushed back. And then a little while later, Donald Trump went for his photo op. So the media narrative became Donald Trump ordered the Capitol Police to clear the protesters so that he could have a photo op. And he ordered these peaceful, mostly peaceful protesters to be tear gassed. Turns out that wasn't true. Turns out that that plan had already been in place long before, and Trump didn't really know anything about it. So they they had already planned to clear out that square, and just a mere mere coincidence that he had to to walk through there. And obviously the media was not going to let a mere coincidence get in the way of a good narrative, so they married the two, and here we are. I mean, it's not even just a coincidence. It's like, of course they would clear the area of protesters by that church, especially if there was some slight arson going on in the mostly peaceful protests. And then Donald Trump, I love the fact that people think Donald Trump is this like 4D chess genius on both sides of the aisle. Like, yeah, Donald Trump orchestrated the the police to move over hours in advance so that he had the thought of, you know what I'm going to do? Once they do that, I'll move over there and I'll take that photo and it'll be really good. Like, this is not a guy who just follows his gut at any given moment and follows wherever it leads. I, it's amazing how much credit people give him and how stupid he makes people. It's unbelievable. He's turned everybody into idiots because ultimately you're looking at it and you're saying, all right, wait, what? You just can't accept the fact that the Capitol Police would not want active protests going on at St. James Church or in the park that's adjacent, or not adjacent, but in the vicinity of the White House. I mean, it's close enough for Donald Trump to walk there. It can't be that far. The guy ain't exactly in top-tier shape. Yeah, no, so... I guess chalk up another one if we're going to use the lab leak. We'll talk about that in a little bit. But chalk up that one to uh, uh, in the column for a win for Trump is, I guess. It's um, not even a win. It's chalk up a loss for everybody else because, like, just because you don't like the guy. To lose, lose, lose. Yeah, like we, it's a race to the bottom because now I am in this completely unenviable position of again having defended Donald Trump 
and having been right about it to say, I really don't believe that this is what happened. It just doesn't make sense. And then you get called a maggot and a racist and whatever else you want to call Trump-tard. me. Trump tard. Like, what I get called. I just, I'm looking at it like, look, I, I, I'm not a fan. I'm just telling you it seems very unlikely that this is the way that all played out. Because as much as he's not a 4D chess genius, he's not a moron either. Like, he has achieved some level of success, and you can say whatever you want about how it's all on paper, it's whatever else. The man's life does not suck pre-presidentially. Like, it, it didn't suck. He, he had some level of success. And I don't. He's not a moron, and he's not a genius. He's somewhere in between. But he's got to be one or the other, and there's no middle road. He's P.T. Burnham. But speaking of yeah, P.T. that's true. He's a showman. Absolutely. Yeah. So hydroxychloroquine, I'm going to say that word on the thing and hope that YouTube doesn't scan our uh, video for take it down, but hydroxychloroquine made a reemergence in the news, again, kind of validating uh, the former president. You know, there was a podcast that was talking about hydroxychloroquine a year ago and how the studies were actually really, really positive on hydroxychloroquine, and it was troubling that we were acting like it didn't help. Do you remember the podcast? I I think I participated. Uh, Yeah, I think it was our podcast. It was was discussing that in detail about the actual studies that were coming out. And again... So just real quickly, so uh, Senator Ron Johnson had his Twitter account suspended for promoting the efficacy of hydroxychloroquine i think two days ago he's been on a rampage since then about that and uh there was a study that was shown that uh, just recently and again this i think it took like almost a year to get this study published where hydroxychloroquine and zinc showed effective treatment for keeping people out of hospitals and keeping them healthy so so and a study was redacted on top of that, so saying that it was what, ineffective. This is what people need to understand about hydroxychloroquine versus ivermectin, which we'll talk about. Um, it, it's different when we say effective. The claim of hydroxychloroquine's effectiveness was a decrease in mortality. Okay, that was the big claim, was it appeared that if you gave somebody hydroxychloroquine and zinc and maybe azithromycin very early on in COVID, in the first couple of days, the first day or two where they have symptoms you could see and count on a very large reduction in mortality for the people that got it. So that was promising. And then there were studies that came out. The most famous was the one done by Sturgisphere, cited by Anthony Fauci, where they claimed that not only was hydroxychloroquine completely ineffective, but it was actually killing people. And they claimed that they had an international hospital registry of all the major hospitals on all the major continents. And that's how they were getting this data. And this is my issue now when somebody goes, well, is it peer-reviewed? And is it this of like, peer-reviewed doesn't mean shit to me anymore because that study was peer-reviewed. That study got through peer-review. And they, the whole thing was made up. They didn't have a hospital registry. They didn't have any data. They had nothing. But it got peer-reviewed. Anthony Fauci, the leading virologist in the country, went on and was like, well, the data's pretty clear. It's not only unsafe, it's dangerous. Like the anti-malaria medication that we give to children, elderly, and nursing, and pregnant women, that's killing people? Seems odd, but everybody just went with it. There was other peer-reviewed studies. This is what's even more troubling is it wasn't just the one study that snuck through. Two of them came out of the University of Minnesota where one of them was giving it to people on day 14 and then saying, it doesn't work. Like, well, of course it doesn't work when you give it on day 14. That's insanity. That's not what it's supposed to do. And the other one came out and said they didn't even test people for COVID. They had all these people that they wouldn't even give them a test until they were like five days with symptoms. You're like, how are you giving it to them? Like, uh, how are you giving it on day one or day two if that's the case? 
And then the last one that, again, all of these passed peer review and were published. Another one came out that literally was giving like four times the recommended dose of hydroxychloroquine and saying like, well, it's not effective and it's, it appears that people are having adverse reactions. I mean, yeah, if you do that, like these all passed peer review by scientists and experts and they came out and said, no, we need remdesivir. Do you know what the only claim about remdesivir was? This was the gold standard. I'm sorry, the standard of care, according to Dr. Fauci, when it was introduced. Do you know what the claim was? Well, I know they changed the claim mid-study. Right. So they originally it was they were trying to do the death uh, thing, but it was they was ineffective at uh, limiting any mortality. Yeah. So this study got completed. It didn't even get completed. It got cut short because of the urgency of giving people this medication. From the get-go, there was never ever a claim that remdesivir had any impact on mortality. Let me say that again. Treating people with remdesivir had no impact on if somebody was going to live or die. The only thing they could claim about it in this shortened study was it appeared that it shortened people's time in hospitals by two to four days. That became the standard of care. So let's just contrast and compare. On the one hand, you have like 50 scientific studies, all, none of them are randomized control trials, none of them are double blind, but they were all, uh, ab- looking back, I don't remember the word anymore, but when you look back over uh, a bunch of different results. Meta-analysis. Meta-analysis, thank you. Coming out and saying, look, the people that are getting this early on are having much better mortality rates than the people that are not. Like the areas that are treating with hydroxychloroquine on day one, day two, or taking it prophylactically. Please understand, I don't think it works prophylactically, but if you're taking it prophylactically, you're pretty much guaranteed to have taken it on day one or day two, if and when you get COVID. So they did all that. Hydroxychloroquine has an actual significant, I've seen studies ranging from 80 to 95% drop in mortality. Like we're not talking about a small number here, talking about a significant drop. And on the other hand, you have remdesivir, which is the same number of people are going to die, but the people that are going to live anyway are going to get out of the hospital two to four days earlier. And you as the leader of science in America, you've got to choose which of these to recommend. What are you going to go with? Wait, there's more hydroxychloroquine, the full thing with azithromycin and zinc, cost roughly $2.85 per treatment. Azithro, not azithromycin, remdesivir costs somewhere between $2,600 and $3,100 per treatment. Which one are you going to go with? Hey, Guess which the, one we went with. Yeah, and, and did you know that I think it's part of the NIH, but the approval for remdesivir there's like a panel of like 14 people and nine of them, I believe, were from Gilead. They were on the payroll from yeah. Gilead, yeah. yeah. Who's so, the one who made remdesivir yeah. and profited off of it when they sold Probably it? Probably no conflict of interest. No, there. obviously not. But listen, here's the point. Even if you're not sure, you want to give every benefit to every doubt. You're looking at remdesivir, which you know doesn't help mortality. It's a definitive thing. And you're looking at hydroxychloroquine, which, let's go with worst case scenario, might. Neither appear to have any significant side effects. And one of them is thousands of times less expensive and easier to produce and to get out to the world. And somehow we went with remdesivir. Guess what happened in November, folks? World Health Organization came out and said, we do not recommend, we recommend not treating anybody with COVID with remdesivir. It has absolutely no impact and you should stop doing it. Guess what is still an FDA approved treatment for COVID-19 in America? Remdesivir. Yes. How? This is insane. Yeah. And to just piggyback on that, I hate these people. Let's let's move on to ivermectin because uh, 
the video that we both kind of watched, like a two and a half hour video. Did you, you ended up getting to watch that? Yeah. So uh, the the video between uh, on the Dark Horse Dark Horse podcast with Brett Weinstein and Dr. Pierre Corey, who is part of the frontline COVID nineteen critical care group, basically that set the uh, treatment protocols that we are currently using uh, with blood thinners and and corticosteroids uh, right now has you know new information that cannot get into the public domain here. So this is the the, the treatment of ivermectin. Uh, that's what that podcast was basically a two and a half hour podcast about ivermectin and basically the censorship of it. And the question that you just ask is why? And uh, I think I've seen Dr. Pierre Corey ask that a couple of times through different, different media uh, sources. But he's like, I don't understand what's going on here. I don't understand it. And he basically, he's like, these are, we're costing lives. And so for sure. And we have this, these are basically this, I, I link these together for, for discussion purposes because they're both, extremely readily available and inexpensive and much more effective. And in some cases more effective than even the vaccine, but they are effective treatments that are basically being dismissed as dangerous or ineffective and can't even be talked about them. So I'm glad you brought up the idea that it's actually more effective. Here's where ivermectin and the, it's not just ivermectin. It's with, it's a treatment with ivermectin. I think it's either one or two other drugs that, that you could take. Um, so I'm just going to use that. When I say ivermectin, I mean the full treatment. Again, same thing. It costs under $100. I think it actually costs around $25 for the full treatment with ivermectin. The difference between ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine is that hydroxychloroquine, only the only real thing you saw was uh, you weren't going to die and there was some lessening of symptoms. So you weren't. there was less hospitalizations, less people getting very, very sick with it. What you're actually seeing with ivermectin is it's having an impact on spread. Like, it's actually reducing your likelihood of spreading it to somebody else, which is not something we could have ever said about hydroxychloroquine, other than if you're asymptomatic, then you're less likely to spread. But it's a matter of ivermectin legitimately is huge impact on mortality. Same thing, similar to hydroxychloroquine, somewhere in the 85 to 95% drop in mortality rate, and also a huge drop in spread, and like, we, we... you sent this over to me. There was a study done in Argentina. Now, it's not a randomized control trial. It's not double blind. And I don't know if it's past peer review, but I've already given you my issues with peer review and why I don't like it. Um, where they had this hospital in Argentina decided they were going to try it. So they took like 1,156 of their hospital workers, gave 750, give or take. It was a total of 11, 1,195 was close. staff, and 788 got it, 405 didn't, I think it was. I think it was 408. Either yeah, way, that, whatever so about 400 people yeah. didn't take it. So then they did it for a 10-week period of time and just tracked it. So over this 10-week period of time, out of the 408 people that did not take yeah. any ivermectin daily or anything else, they just took. They did masks, they did distancing, they did everything else. 58% of those people came down with COVID, ended up testing positive and having COVID-19. Out of the 700-some-odd people that took ivermectin daily... And still did everything else too. Not one person came up with, or came down with COVID. Not one person got COVID. So on the one side you had fifty eight percent. On the other side you have zero. And we're not talking about this. We're yeah. we're looking. We're turning a blind eye. So you're talking about if you want to compare it to the vaccine. Yeah, no, it's more effective. It, it, it appears to be at least. I mean, hundred percent. So the NIH finally is going to fund a study on ivermectin, by the way. Yeah. It's going to go through. And I, like when they came out with the vaccine, they started that in like February or March. And by 
realistically October, it had passed all of its tests as a brand new technology. I, I know it's not really brand new. It's the first time we've used this technology in human beings. Somehow we got that done in about six months. To test ivermectin, which has been around for 40 years, has no known significant side effects. There's nothing down, like nothing bad about it. And it appears to be insanely effective. Uh, f- Four billion doses of ivermectin have been done. And there's every yeah. adverse event has been basically because it's worked too good. The, the body has, it has produced what it needed to do in the body. And the body's, re- the, its reaction has caused any adverse event. So the, 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 the medicine is literally the, safer than water I've seen it compared That's to. That's amazing. So anyway, anyway, so the NIH is finally, finally, this study was done in August, by the way. It was printed in September out of Argentina. So that was when this data was available. So that was nine months ago, and they just announced this, like, within the last two weeks, they're going to fund a study on ivermectin. Guess when it's going to be completed, guys? It's not going to be six months like the brand new vaccine, because that would be insane, and I understand that. March of 2023, they expect to have this published, but it could be longer. These people are not serious. I should not be asked to even take these people seriously anymore. I'm no. sorry. I'm out. I can't do this with you anymore. This is so blatant. And the reality is you can't get anybody to fund a study on ivermectin or any other prescription pill that is no longer under patent because there's no money in it. So that's the sad reality. The pharmaceutical companies are the ones that fund these. The NIH is the one that funds these with money from the pharmaceutical companies. So you think it's a coincidence that we had hydroxychloroquine when you compare it to remdesivir. There's no contest which any person with common sense would have gone with to say, I want the one that actually might save lives, not the one that we know doesn't. Like that would seem like the most common sense answer ever. Oh, but they thought it was dangerous. You're telling me Anthony Fauci, head of the NIH for the last 25 years, read the study from Surgisphere and said there's an international hospital registry that involves every hospital or most hospitals on every major continent, and I never knew it existed until right now. I somehow was unaware as the leading virology doctor in the world. I was unaware that this existed, and then I looked into it and saw that it was a company with 11 employees and went, yeah, totally checks out. Come on. You want me to believe that? Stop. So... Now you get into this side where it looks like, listen, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not saying you shouldn't take the vaccine or anything else. It's a follow the money because now we're acting as if uh, natural immunity is, you should still get the vaccine. Why? Every study that's coming out is showing that if, even if you had a mild reaction to COVID-19, you have pretty good immunity. Uh, and then let's not forget somewhere between 20 and 50% of the population had pre-existing immunity to COVID anyway. And all of these, all of these scientists are acting as if this is not real. Well, we just don't know what's going to happen with the variants. Yeah. But if the vaccine was better at protecting you than natural immunity, that would be the first time in human history that that's happened. So you want to play for those odds? All that's, right. That seems like the path we're going down. Oh, yeah, we're, we can't go down that road fast enough. We're like, we're running down that road. And everybody is just like, if you dare to point this out, you get banned on YouTube. You get kicked off of social media. Friends and family look at you like you might as well have a tinfoil hat on. People look at you like you're insane. You're like, um, guys, this is what the science actually says. I don't know what to tell you. The idea that we are not even funding an ivermectin study until now and it's not going to be done for, what is it, 15 months? Yeah, it's crazy. 18 They're months? They're just slow rolling it because they got to get all the things they need done under the, uh, under the act here. Sorry, and, kids. And, this and is le- nonsense. Yeah, and let's just f- finish up on the nonsense because, you know, this all seems, or, you know, there's a bunch of circumstantial evidence here pointing to the 
you know, the cover-up of the origins, and then you have these treatments that are, seem to be getting pushed aside and dismissed and, you know, censored uh, if they show promise. It all seems, all these anomalies point in the kind of direction to, hey, what the hell is going on here? There seems to be a concerted effort to make sure that enough people have access or uh, uh, don't have access to anything alternate alternative to the vaccine. Like, everything is revolving around the vaccine. And... I'm not anti-vaccine. I'm just anti this seemingly in-your-face propaganda to get everybody to take the vaccine. When you point out, there's several several reasons why folks shouldn't shouldn't get the vaccine. If they're aged, they're, they've pre-existing kid, uh, uh, immunity, or if they they've already had this. Like these things, people. Why would you put something in your body that has no benefit? And, and to all the vaccine people who are trying to critique the vaccine hesitant, you have these other treatments. This is the ivermectin hydroxychloroquine argument. Like you could give these to the people who don't want the vaccine and we would rid the, the, the world of this pandemic in a few weeks. But somehow hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin are non-FDA approved treatments for COVID-19. Yeah, they're out of patent. But remdesivir is still an approved patent. patent. It's still an approved medication. It's still an approved treatment. So if you go to get treated, by, think about, excuse me, what that actually means. If you go to a hospital and you say, I've got COVID and I need treatment, if they treat you with remdesivir, that's an approved treatment that insurance will pay for. If they give you anything that's not approved, they don't get reimbursed. Like, think about the incentive that that offers. Now, yes, it's very cheap, but think about how much money they make when they give you remdesivir. Think about how much money they make when they give you hydroxychloroquine. I get it. Doctors are all benevolent, wonderful human beings, and, and they would never do anything great. And I'm not even arguing that. But they also are not prone to asking deep questions on, wait, what is this? Because they are part of the system of science. And so their default setting is to trust the institutions that they have built, that they have been telling us to trust for years. And now with evidence coming in and it's not conclusive obviously there could still be some reasonable explanation for all of this that i just don't see um they're still there and they're still saying well you got to trust it and you're i'm looking back at him and going no you need to be more skeptical you need to start asking more questions because you're way smarter than i am you know way more about this than i do and why are you just going along with this and I'm telling you, I'm looking at data and going, this doesn't say what you're telling me it says. If you're telling me as, as somebody who is my age and, and my health that I absolutely should get vaccinated, I'm going to push back on why. And your answer needs to be something better than, well, we want to get this over with. Sorry. It, we can get it over with with other means. And if you don't care enough to look into it, I don't care if you're a biologist, a doctor, a virologist. If you don't care enough to look at the opposing viewpoints, I got no time for you. I'll look at both sides of it. I've looked at the pro-mask studies, the pro-vaccine studies, and I think the vaccine is fairly effective. It looks fine. And if I was 85 years old, I'd probably take it. But there are concerns. Like, you are seeing in young men aortic swelling. Now, does that mean the vaccine's causing it? No, but you're seeing it. You are seeing people's injection sites get freaking magnetized. Does that mean it's caused by the vaccine? Well, no, but it's weird. Yeah, it does. I mean, obviously, yes, but I don't want to. I don't want to commit to that. No. And then you see, like, um, postmenopausal women are menstruating. That's weird. Like, we should, and nobody knows why. Well, we we do, but none of the people on the other side know why, officially speaking. And you see all of these things, and you're and like the spike protein that they inject in you that they assumed would behave like every other vaccine and stay in your arm is not. It's traveling. They didn't expect that. So I'm not telling you that it's dangerous or that any of this is going to be bad. What I'm telling you is that there's enough that we don't know 
that if it's not going to be a benefit to you, like if you had COVID and recovered and now have natural immunity, there's no benefit to you getting the vaccine. Or the benefit is even like the most generous I could give you is there's like a 1% advantage to your already existing immunity. And that is generous. That is assuming that somehow these people are right and the vaccine immunity is going to somehow be better than natural immunity. Again, be the first time in human history. And even then, it would only be slightly better. So, like, that's weird. Why? What are we doing? Why are we pretending like people didn't die immediately after getting the shot? They did. Hank Aaron, probably the most famous case, died two weeks after getting the first shot. Perfectly healthy. You know what the cause of death was listed as? Do you know this? No. Natural causes. Perfectly he healthy. The, he was the first one. Perfectly healthy guy. Was doing interviews, was involved in the Atlanta Braves organization, got his first shot of COVID. Two weeks later, he died of natural causes. Now, I'm not even accusing anybody of causation. I'm not saying it was linked or whatever else. But to ignore the correlation means you are not going to ever get to the truth. You don't want to see the data that is opposed to you. That's not science anymore. That's propaganda. That's all it is. And, and this brings me to our boy Dr. Fauci's interview with Chuck Todd on MSNBC, where he basically claims he is the science. So, he didn't basically claim I am the science. No, he said that. That is a direct quote, not basically. It, it's, not a sum, it's not a summary. An exact quote was, people that are criticizing me, they're criticizing the science. Right. Are you kidding? And this is after uh, you just laid out several arguments in a point where we should question the science, and he's basically dismissing all of us again and questioning all of our motives uh, for questioning him and questioning uh, apparently science along with that. Science is questioning. It's the whole field. And the reality is we don't ever know anything for certain. We know stuff to about 95% certainty because we don't know everything. Like as a species, we're not enlightened. There's so many factors about the world, about our brains, about our bodies, about the environments that we live in. There's so much we don't know, but we're so, so arrogant to think that we do. And listening to Anthony Fauci, who is rightly being criticized for all the reasons I just laid out, plus infinite more, whether it's masks, school closings, uh, occupancy limitations, blatantly lying about the risks, changing what the threshold for herd immunity is on the fly because he felt like he could get a higher number at that point. Like all of this stuff, continuing to talk about asymptomatic and pre-symptomatic spread like it's any sort of significant driver of this virus, continuing to talk, cover up the idea that the virus was aerosolized, even though anybody paying attention knew it was aerosolized last May. It was obvious that this was an aerosolized virus and we could shut up about the droplets and the treatments, like just turning a blind eye to them. And, I, and now when he's rightly being criticized for all of this of like, you know, you, you, and covering up the origins of saying it's not possible that this was created in a lab. Oh, because it turns out you funded it. Oh, cool. That's not weird. Now he comes out and says, f quite frankly, anybody who's criticizing me, is, it's just a criticism of science. No, it is a criticism of corrupt bureaucracy. It is a criticism of self-dealing in this incestual relationship that you have with pharmaceutical companies and the government being the single biggest source of funding for all of these research and having all of these scientists in your pocket. Because if they try to study something you don't want, they don't get money. That is a broken system. That's not science, guys. Science doesn't mean you just go along blindly. Science means you ask questions about everything. And you question everything, and then you find the answers, and you look at the information and the data that doesn't support your hypothesis along with the ones that do, and you try to get the right answer. How much stuff can one guy be wrong about as the leading expert in the country? Uh, I don't know. He's working towards a 
uh, leading the league, I think. Let's let's just go through the stuff that I'm gonna I'm gonna play this fun game stuff we were right about before Anthony Fauci. So even if he eventually came on board, the idea that the lab leak was possible, that masks wouldn't work, that asymptomatic transmission was exceedingly rare, that it wasn't a big threat to children. Um, that hydroxychloroquine was effective, that ivermectin is effective, that remdesivir is not effective, that a rushed vaccine was a risk that we shouldn't, that not everybody should just take, and that twenty, some level of the people had pre-existing immunity, and that anybody who had it had pretty strong immunity after having it. That's ten things off the top of my head that somehow you and I, and I'll say this again, two idiots with a podcast had right before the smartest virologist in the country. And I'm supposed to just blindly follow this guy? No, I'm sorry. That's earned. That's not given. Yeah. And so that's why I played the breakup video at the front of the video here, because we're done with Fauci, right? Oh, my God. I, I've I, been done. Yeah. No. Right. So. All right. Well, let's bring in our special guest here. Um, I do have Dr. Brown with us here. So we're going to bring in uh, Superintendent Dr. Brown, uh, Superintendent of Marcus Whitman Schools uh, out in Ontario County. Uh, we are looking forward to this uh, conversation. Dr. Brown, can you hear me? I can. How are you fine gentlemen today? We are doing great. Uh, thank you for taking some time out of the, uh, your uh, afternoon for us. Um, how's, uh, how's life out in Ontario County in general? Uh, we're doing okay. You know, I was just listening to Ben and some of the comments about the vaccines and, and science and all of that. And we're, we're wrestling with that as well in schools and also different rules for schools versus the fair, let's say, and other stuff. And so it's the only comment that I kind of made to somebody the other day was I was one of the early people to get my vaccine. And I now people are getting concert tickets and <laughs> missed out probably, probably cars somewhere. And I, I just want to know, you know, where's my fair share? Yeah, you should get a, you should get a post-dated lotto ticket or something, right? Didn't, didn't our <laughs> governor offer? You should have one. I should get something. I should get a. I should get a restaurant certificate. Something. You know. Get a but, second vaccine. It'll be fine. Yeah. But in all seriousness, so we're doing okay. You know, it, it's been a. It's been a challenge. Every community is different. Every community has got people that that uh, have different beliefs and listen to different news and and watch different things. And so it's 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 been very uh, interesting. I think to watch it unfold, especially as we're getting towards what we're calling as you know quote the end of this. Um, how things are kind of unraveling quickly from the governor's office right through the state health department and uh, department of education. I, I really want to applaud the superintendents in the country for riding this bucking Bronco and, and trying to deal with what's, what's happened over the past, you know, year and a half. Yeah. Cause I feel like schools may have taken the biggest brunt of this whole thing. Uh, the kids specifically, but you know, everyone uh, uh, involved in education was, you know, basically punched in the nose and, you know, how you reacted was I'm sure different in every situation. And, you know, I, as you point out, the, the, the amount of work needed to keep up with the changing rules and, and guidance um, was seemingly probably a 24 seven gig for you guys. Well, let, let me give you a classic example. Um, our our gym and our auditorium are probably 20 feet apart from each other. And if you read the regulations the way they are, you can have a basketball game um, with more people at it not wearing masks than you can 20 feet away at an awards assembly, uh, and people have to wear masks. It's insane. And so now that we're coming close to graduations and end-of-the-year celebrations and all of that, it's... It's, you know, Friday they came out with, um, you know, if you're vaccinated, 
and you're, they're using the honor system, of course. If you're vaccinated, you don't need to wear a mask at an indoor end-of-the-year celebration, except for graduations, which have its own, which have their own set of rules. Yet at the same time, the state fair opened up at 100% capacity about an hour ago at the governor's press conference, and so we're... Oh, you're you know, breaking we're, news we're gonna, for us there, Dr. Brown. I didn't hear the uh, fair news. You know, so you're going to have, what, seventy or 80,000 people on the same grounds, but I can't have... I can't have a graduation with 250 people without negative COVID tests or proof of vaccine and all this all this stuff. I just wish we need one set of we need one set of here's what needs to happen from here forward. Go do it because it, it's it's creating it's creating divides in the employees and the students in our community. And you know, superintendents are the ones that are stuck holding the bag on all these decisions that we're not really a part of. Yeah, I feel like those decisions should have been made as local as possible. Um, I don't, you know, the governor's top-down strategy of, of this is the, the rule for all uh, is not going to play the same as it does in, in Ontario, as it does in Onondaga, or as it does in, you know, Fulton County, or wherever, any of these counties. And I think that, you know, I think there was a push early on to try to, you know, kind of give some local control, but that never really developed. I don't know, did, did, did you have any kind of more uh, control in your neck of the woods than we did here? No, you know, and when they say local control, I think they're really talking about the local departments of health, and and I really feel for them too because a lot of them are really trying to interpret marching orders from above, and you know sometimes they don't deal with all the same stuff that we deal with every day. I'm used to dealing with negativity and people yelling and threatening, and that's just part of the job. And I I did feel for them because they're trying to interpret things, and then you have somebody in the county next door says something different and they can't get on the same page and it just it just creates kind of a, a wild west that we all get stuck we all get stuck in the middle of and it, it's uh you know i i go back to when the governor made his first change to the regulations and that was with athletics all of a sudden everybody else had to stay the same but if you played a sport here's what you could do and, and i love it i love sports i played sports i coach sports but you know, they gave no consideration to musicians, artists, uh, physical education class, nothing else. It was just athletics. And that, that, to me, said right there that the squeaky wheel of who was lobbying and yelling the loudest was getting what they wanted. And that was, I don't know, maybe eight months ago. And I was like, all right, game on, I guess. Now I see where this is going. And it's and it's kind of played out. And my per, this is all my personal opinion. It's, it's kind of played out that way. You know, I'm the one that has to live that life right now. So I wish he would just say... It's local control and look not not being in the Department of Health. Like here we are in my county, we've had we've had several days of zero cases, one case. You know we're we're right down. And uh, I noticed today the vaccination rate was sixty nine point nine percent. As a former math teacher, I didn't ask if that was sixty nine point you know nine seven five, so we could round it to seventy and have everything be loosened up. But uh, I'm sure that's coming. There'll be some big reveal about that i'm sure in the, in the next week or so whenever it's convenient and um you know we'll we'll keep riding the riding the bull feeling the flow i mean it's got to be tough because anthony fauci is the science and andrew cuomo is the law and that's how, how this all runs um give me a, give me some examples of what you are hearing from the parents especially on last week there was talk about lifting the mass mandate in new york dr zucker sent that out to the cdc asking for some reason not to and then Andrew Cuomo came out and said, we're not lifting the masks until we get 70% vaccination when we were at 68.6% vaccination rate already. So apparently the science just chose a really round number of 70 as the really effective time when we no longer needed masks. What was the, what's the feedback you are getting from the parents in your district or the students? 
Yeah, it got crushed. I mean, you, it, here it is Friday at 4 o'clock when the news comes out with no with no guidance around it whatsoever. And then, so superintendents are scrambling, better put something out to the communities because it was breaking news on every news station, on social media and every place else. So you put something else out that says, you'll hear from us again Sunday night once we know the, the guidelines, whatever. Well, you know, the guidelines don't come all weekend. Parents are antsy. You start, the, the whole divide starts to get created again between masking and not masking and, and all of that. It's kind of like the old Miller Lake commercials. If you guys are old enough to remember the, uh, the less filling tastes yeah, great. Taste. It's, it's very much like that, right? And and so then Sunday night comes. It was like six something. We get the we get the guidance that says, "Oh, hey, we're not going to change the mask stuff now. We're gonna we're gonna keep it." But you know, if if the vaccination rate gets to seventy, we're gonna lift restrictions for everybody except schools and hospitals. And then you know, and then and then Friday, this past Friday, they come out with. For schools now, you know, if you're vaccinated at an end of the year event, you don't need to wear a mask, and it's the honor system. So it's it's uh, it's incredibly frustrating because we came across as people, you know, why did you even communicate it with us if you, if the rule wasn't going to change? Well, because because they communicated it, the right. news communicated. We're we're supposed to be helping and educating with that, and we did, and then we then we got hosed, you know, and we're, so there we are Monday, and I've got seniors. I, I went in, into a couple senior classrooms, and I just apologized. I said, look. I said, I, here are the rules that I have to follow. I said, I apologize. I said, had, had I known that they weren't going to change this thing, I wouldn't have put it out. My statement was there was no reason for uh, the health department to even tell us that they were asking the CDC. Don't even tell us. Right. Because if, if the rule's not going to change, then what? I don't have, then I don't know any different. Don't even tell me. And, and then Monday would have come. We would have been fine. You know? So I, I don't know. It's I will say this. I mean – People have been over mask wearing and all of that, myself included. You know, I've been vaccinated for quite a while. I, I do food distributions every week where I see over a thousand people, and and I'm with people all the time. Um, I've had to tell my community that if you see me at the store or out and about, I'm not going to be wearing a mask, but understand that I will be at school because I'm required to. And the second I'm not required to, I'm not going to be. Um, I will, you know, and the governor sent out some nasty grants to some schools that tried to really. Uh, buck what was going on and he threatened sanctions and closing schools and mostly downstate there, there's only one and I, I might be wrong as of today but after friday's debacle and then monday's new news there was still one district to my knowledge in western new york i don't have the name of it that still defied the governor and they got a a nasty gram that floated around my circles that kind of said we're gonna we'll shut you down if you don't recomply with the mask mandate so i I don't know, man. What, what is what does a shutdown of a school from a governor look like? I mean, I I, I kind of just I mean, not, not in specific, but what, what what would be the next step if they were going if he was going to try to punish that school district? So they would they would make it so that you they they tell you not to open your doors. They would deny you your state aid for for the day because you wouldn't get your attendance aid for the day or or days, however many days it would take. And that's that's uh that's a threat that if he ever did deliver on is 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 pretty costly, even with the even with the aid that's flowing from the federal government and all of that, it's still that, you know, one day of aid is a lot of money. Sure. <laughs> and if, when you've budgeted to get it and then you don't get it, well, that, that's a hit. And uh, so it's, I don't know, it, it, at my stage, 21 years as a superintendent, I've seen a lot of things, uh, you know, and, and people make, 
people make leadership decisions. I mean, it's I think it's our right to criticize leaders just as people criticize me because they've chosen to put themselves in those positions to make decisions. So, I mean, they're just like myself. We're all open to criticism. But I, I think at the I think at the end of the day, I'm getting into that camp of I'm over it, man. And it's time to it's time to give me one set of things. Stop changing the rules. Stop saying it's good for one person and not for another. Um, you're going to tell me that the people at the New York State Fair aren't don't attend different school districts, don't play f- football together, don't have backyard barbecues together, and then we're all going to get together for the fair, which is allowing. But I still can't have more than 250 people in an auditorium without masks and proof of vaccination. That, that's just ridiculous, in my opinion. I mean, I think you hit the nail on the head. It's the, it's the wild inconsistencies that I think most people have trouble with. A year ago, every, well, 15 months ago, everybody was kind of on the same page of like, okay, I guess we're going to try this, and it's going to help, and we're going to make a difference. And then as it started to become ridiculous of, well, we are going to wear masks, and only if you can't socially distance, put a mask on somewhere. And then it was, wear masks outside. And then it was, you can go into a restaurant, but then when you sit down at the table, you can take it off. But if you get up to use the bathroom, you got to put it back on. And you're listening to all of this and going, what? And then you get into what you just talked about, where somehow now athletics are okay, which I actually completely agree with, but music is not. Um, I'm sorry, what? And now getting even into this further, like we're acting as if we don't know anything about the rates in children, and we do. Like there, there is no correlation with restrictions on students at school and a decrease in COVID anywhere in the world. It's just not present. And the idea that we're still doing this to kids is insane, on in my opinion, but I guess... Here's my question for you. You hear from a lot of parents, and I don't envy the position you're in. You're damned if you do, damned if you don't, because somebody's going to complain loudly about your call. What is the majority of your input? Is it more like make sure you don't undo all this, or is it more enough's enough, let's move on? It's almost an exact split. It's, it's a, that's, a, that's an awesome question because I just had that this morning. Every, every In this county, every Monday, we meet with the Department of Health at 9 a.m., the superintendents in Ontario County do, and we talk to them about kind of what's going on. And we just had that conversation today about where is your community at. And we're, I think as a collective, we're about split, you know, and you, you get the vocal minority always. Right. But then, and you also, but what's interesting is, you know, there are a lot of rule followers out there, which which I am one of. I mean, I'm, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a rule follower. And, and people ask, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. People ask me why I won't just defy the governor. Well, here's why. Because my greater, I don't know, my my greater job is to keep serving my community in the ways that I can and to keep helping kids to be successful. So my, by defying the governor, he's that dude where he would, you know, whenever we go against a New York state regulation as a superintendent, we subject ourselves to a $25,000 fine and loss of certification. And so somebody who's closer to retirement than me, I can think of some people in the past when the uh, New York State assessments first came out in the mid to late 90s, there was a gentleman, I forget his name, he was superintendent at Fairport at the time, and he he refused to give them. Well, he was also one step from retirement. So what are they really going to do to him? Nothing. You know, you, you you, this job is getting younger and younger, and it's like you, if you really want to play that that chicken and risk all of that, it to me it just isn't worth it. That's what I've tried to – that is the conversation I have with parents, and they've been very respectful. I will say that. I mean, I, I don't have – I've only had one – I've had one real disrespectful situation where a parent came on campus and was screaming at kids to take their masks off because they, they were trying to kill people and all of that, and I that was over the top, and I told her that, and, and she – you know, you, you can't, 
she's not an employee of the district. She, you, you can't be yelling at people. You can't be yelling at kids that you're not in charge of. Right. And that, that was, that was over the line. So, but we dealt with it and I've been, and things are fine. So I think the, it's split. And, and that's why I just hope we don't have more changes because it's just going to create more fracturing of things. And nobody needs that. We need, we talk about mental health in this country because of the pandemic. We talk about trying to get back to jobs and careers and getting back to some kind of normal, um, you know, us being split isn't helping that. I, I would agree. And I think it, this is another thing. It's easy to say, well, you got to stand up to him, but this is the same governor when a restaurant in Buffalo helped a couple sue for the completely arbitrary distinction between a wedding and a restaurant on a Friday night and the different capacity limits. Uh, had the state liquor authority take away their license like two yeah. weeks later with no investigation, nobody went out, just said you're in violation and suspended their liquor license. So that's the governor you're dealing with, folks. Yeah, and they did. Uh, there's no Mennonite population here, and they, they did it here. There was a Mennonite store that had a New York State license, and they, they didn't have a mask requirement, and so New York State uh, shut them down. Amazing. Yeah, so it, that, that's what I mean. I, I, you know, if I was closer to retirement, maybe I would say, yeah, I'll defy it. We're not going to do it. I, who? I don't know. I just can't myself. So let, let's pick, let's follow up on that, though. So going forward, we have this, you know, something else where we have uh, some other uh, – uh, authoritarian ruler of the state. How do how do we fight back? Is it a combination of the superintendents and local officials? Like, they're, they're you know, and I've been critical of our local officials because I don't feel like they stood up to our governor at all. I feel like some people, uh, in specifically our, our county executive, may have had some power to to, to stand up to him. Um, not in all cases, because again, I I, I under recognize that there's state licenses, but there's some places that don't require that and. Is there is there a way to keep schools from shutting down again? Like it seems like that was maybe one of the worst decisions of this whole thing, and I, I'm not sure that it won't happen again. Well, I think the power lies in the teachers' unions. I mean, they're the they're the largest organizations with the loudest uh, voices. And I don't mean that in a negative way. They they can advocate for positive change, and they can advocate for different things. So when when all of this happened, and you look to listen to whose voice was the loudest about staying closed. Uh, that the teachers unions, that the the larger state teachers unions were the ones who were there to say, we should stay closed, there should be better air quality and, and all of that. Um, you can find that documented everywhere. And I think that that was, I think, what kept the doors closed for a long time, right or wrong. And I'm not, not um, claiming fault or anything. It's just, I think that um, they're the loudest voices that we have. You know, I, I think the different county executives that we have, I mean, Onondaga County, frankly, is the envy of a lot of other counties because I think your county executive did choose to kind of buck the system as best he could. I don't know where in like our county, he's fairly new. He doesn't, he just, again, he's, he's in my boat. He doesn't want to, he's in a difficult spot. And, and I think, I don't know what I guess I don't know what threats or things are behind the curtain. I know what they are for me as an educator, as a superintendent. I don't know what they are for a county executive or somebody else if they say no. I really don't. There's got to be – the governor seems to like to be able to snap his fingers and say, okay, you're not going to have this now because you didn't do this. And I don't know what each person's rules are, you know. Um, I just – I don't know. It's it's been a long it's been a long year and a half. I'm proud of my I am proud of my community and the kids and our employees for helping to do what we've done. You know the the positives. I always take positives out of this. I think our 
I don't know about I don't know about other communities. Our community has never been closer or stronger. Um, we've we've never relied on each other more, to, regardless of our political affiliations and everything else. People have dropped everything to help each other. I think those are real positives. Um, we have great summer programs coming up to try to you know close gaps and and do the things that we want to do to try to get ready for the fall. But at the end of the day, let let's hope for the sake of the three of us and for everybody that this is our one and only pandemic that we have to deal with and, and if there is another one let's really hope that people saw what actually worked and what actually didn't and make that the playbook um for the next one because there was to me there was a lot of politics there was a lot of trial and error there was a lot of um there was just a lot of opinions that that and a lot of a lot of money and and all of that that swirled around and if, if we really thought that this was this was a public health crisis in terms of the number of fatalities that we had, unfortunately, um, I felt maybe we owed the people something a little bit better than what we gave them. That, that's just my thought. I wouldn't disagree with that. I agree 100%. So you are a, for any definition you want to use here, an expert in the world of education with your background and your experience. What would you like to see moving forward, just as your personal opinion and, and how it would play out? they put you in charge yeah i think from my perspective um that's a great question i, I think from my perspective i still want to think about it a little bit more no but I, I would but my but my bigger piece would be i would like to see things as long as the infection rates stay low i in the fall i want to see things back to normal i don't want masks i don't want physical distancing um i'd like some more research on cleaning hard surfaces because if you really look at the at the expense of covid in school districts, it really wasn't the PPE. It was it was more about hiring additional cleaners because we felt that COVID could travel on hard surfaces for, and live for long periods of time. And then that has since changed. So give me give me the most current uh, research from a couple of different places, not just one body that tells me what it is. Let me see. You know, let's let's bid for let let's figure out from five or six different experts what that is. Um, I need that because I want to be able to assure my people that they are safe. Because you know. As I mentioned in the beginning, people have read and heard and seen what they have, and people have formed their own opinions about COVID. And I really want to get back to what worked, what didn't, and that's what I want to protect my kids and community with, so we can get we can get back to something that's a little more normal. Yeah, and that, so if I was prioritized, I'd be doing. Yeah, that feels great. that I I I hope that you get your wish there. B- before we let you go, uh, anything that you want to wrap up with? Uh, uh, something uh, profound and uh, enlightening for us all here on the uh, on the podcast waves here. <laughs> well, I I've said the other day, uh, if you Google the average life of a of a human in the United States, it's I forget the exact number. It's just over seventy eight years old. I think that people who feel that we've lost uh, a year and a half worth of education, and therefore this you know the generations that are coming and, and all that are we're going to be setting ourselves so far back. I will tell you the story of the unschooler that I found at a previous school district at 14 years old who was first grade math and I think it was second grade reading, somewhere around there. And I talked to the commissioner at that time, um, Commissioner Mills. He told me to forget about the regulations, forget about what everything says, and get this kid educated and to graduate. And um, by the time he was 18, he graduated with a Regents Diploma and was all set to go. So you talk about a kid who had no schooling until he was 14 years old. We made him as successful as a traditional high school student by the time he was 18. So anybody that tells me that we have learning gaps that we can't close or that generations of kids and industry and everything else are harmed by this, 
I'd want people to take a second look at that. That's just my two cents. I love it. Dr. Braun, I want to thank you again for your time. Uh, I hope to have you back here uh, on the program here uh, not too not too short or not too long away from now. Anytime, just a phone call or text away. Perfect. Good to see you guys. I Thanks, appreciate Dr. it. Brown. Thank you very much. All right, see ya. All right, Mr. Hughesong, anything else you'd like to leave the uh, uh, folks with profound in enlightenment? They can trump Dr. Brown. I mean, I don't think anything's going to... What I took away from that story is when you get rid of all the regulation and don't bother with that, that they, suddenly the education comes to fruition. Weird. Yeah. And I do think that what he hits on, though, is a sort of a troubling trend of these districts are handcuffed. These counties are handcuffed because of the funding, because they rely so heavily on federal and state funds, and the state coming from the discretion of Governor Cuomo, that if they do it, that is a big risk. And I, his point about retirement is fine, but even if he did that on the way out the door, like the idea that Marcus Whitman wouldn't be made to suffer for his insolence, and that speaks to the larger problem of how are we okay with a governor who does this? Yeah. How are we okay with a yeah, president who did this? How are we okay hopefully, with this? Hopefully this is what comes to realization is that people you know, should pay attention more to who's actually ruling them. Uh, maybe they should vote more uh, or at least engage and uh, have the discussions uh, so that other people who uh, uh, do want to participate in that are, are, are making uh, a more informed decisions. But I feel like these di- dictators, I'm going to call them, uh, of, uh, of our, in our state, specifically our governor, uh, was basically a straight authoritarian. Um, hopefully we can find a way around that if there's ever something like this in the future. So if, if you are still a fan of Andrew Cuomo, congratulations on your commitment, first off, because that's really remarkable. But second off... What would it take? Uh, the guy is coming out and just said, basically, of, I'm going to make your kids still wear masks until we're at 70%. And we're at 68.6. Like, and now we're at 69.9. Now we're at 69.9, and you're, not, you're still not doing Like The indifference this man has to other people is so remarkable. The idea that the science somehow dictates 70% and not his ego, it's the science that dictates that, is willful ignorance like it's beyond willful ignorance it's delusion if you can somehow believe that this man is benevolent and magnanimous when he's out here doing all these stripping liquor licenses away he's going after school funding for anybody who dares he's shutting down businesses and it's nothing to do with the science the science doesn't even make sense anymore the mask thing in restaurants never made sense for a single moment in time and everybody is aware of that. The idea that 70% is some magical threshold when we're not counting people with natural immunity, when we're not counting people that have recovered. Like, what are we doing? Yeah. Like Guys, I said, how, it, how arbitrary could you be? Yeah, and like I said, I, there are some people who are just committed to that source, but I feel like most people have just lost complete trust in all institutions, especially in this state. I mean... I, I have Upstate lost for sure. so but, much faith in every, like, I can't tell you how much this ruined me over the last year of like, I'm sorry. Every, I mean, I already didn't trust government. So they, like that was there. And especially if anybody who served in a military, you automatically don't trust the government because they do not care. But what it really ruined for me was, was the institution of science, was the institution of medicine, like pharmaceutical companies to doctors, to scientists, to biologists, to virologists. It ruined it. Yeah. There because was always I, some level of. You know, you kind of the money and kind of you knew that was there. Right. But it is, the band-aid is, like, it's wide open oh my now. God. Like, everybody if, sees the, 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 the massive wound that's going on right now in science. Yeah, if you care to look, I'm telling you right now, it's it's just so 
it's it's just so disheartening. Like I don't have a better word for it. It, it it's so disappointing, and I'm so affected by it because I'm just looking at it. Of I get that your funding depends on it. I get that. I get that. But how do you get this study pass peer review? How do you let these parameters go through? And now you're touting it. How are you not in even the slightest bit interested? Most of you in finding out about hydroxychloroquine and finding out about ivermectin. Why are you so happy? to just tow the company line and go along to get along. I And I guess it's not that shocking. It's because that's what their paycheck depends on, and they are dependent on the money just like schools and counties and everything else, and they're dependent on it, and there's no independence anymore. And I think that's what's really sad, is I look at it from the outside in and going, this is just corrupt. And then I don't mind that part. What I mind is you turning around and looking at anybody who dares question as some kind of a nut job. Like, no, it's not crazy. I'm looking at the same thing. And you're wrong. And you want to then attack me. Cool. And like, I actually like what he said. If I put myself out here for criticism every Monday. I, this is not a private podcast. I will. I, we talk for an hour every Monday. I, you're free to criticize anything I say. You should at least be right. And that's the issue is like you're relying on, well, I am a scientist. Cool. I'm not, but I know how to read English. And I'm looking at this and I can tell you when, where you're full of it. And if I point that out and you have no answer, um, and then the only answer is to diminish me further and act like I'm some ignoramus who doesn't understand it of like, no, it's pretty straightforward. You asked the wrong question and got the answer you wanted. That's not science. You are towing the company line and you are now just doing propaganda for, I don't know if it's big pharma. I don't know if it's Anthony Fauci. I don't know if it's the government. I don't know if it's your employer, but you're engaged in propaganda because this is no longer science. And it stopped being science a year ago. It started being about that just about a year ago where he said the one study on surface transmission was very definitive that it doesn't happen. Wonder why there hasn't been another one. Did you notice there was 85 different studies that said masks work? 85. There's one study saying that surface to air transmission never happens. There's one in 10,000 chance. Wonder why. It's almost like when they get data they don't like, they stop studying it. And when they get data that's not true, they just keep trying to ram home that it actually works. Sorry if I'm not completely swayed by a study where I cough and you measure my droplet and then you put a mask over my mouth and I cough and you measure my droplet and you conclude, see, that's science. Or you put it on a dummy and you, air, and you spray something through a dummy's mouth and you say, well, two masks work even better. No, you're lying. You're, this is tantamount to lying. You are misleading people intentionally to get them to tow the company line. And yeah, when you say the masks work, you get more funding. And when you say they don't work, they take away your funding. I get it. it sucks. True is true. False is false. And right is still right. I, like, I don't know what to tell you. If you're out here just completely on board with all the propaganda, forgive me if I'm not going to take you seriously. Yeah. I mean, I had very little faith in institutions before the last year and a half and it's less so now. I don't know how you can get below zero, but I'm closing. I, I, listen, I had faith in these institutions. I held doctors and scientists up on a pedestal of like, they just, they, they're they, better. They, they know more. Yeah, it's, it's the government. That I've always you know, had no faith in. Right, but the government's uh, relationship with science and doctors is the problem, right? So like it's still the, the root of all evil is still the, the state and um, it has corrupted science and doctors because of that. All right, so. I do want to mention, I want to thank uh, the uh, guys, before we let you go, I want to thank uh, the uh, Seth and Ian from the show, uh, Move Along, Nothing to See Here. They had me on as a guest yesterday, so uh, uh, guys, go check out their uh, YouTube channel and uh, look at my interview there. We talk about some of the stuff uh, here and government in general. But until uh, next week, next Monday, uh, we will... Uh, 
catch up on uh, all the latest news uh, next Monday at noon. I got one thing to Oh, add. yeah, go ahead, Mr. Hussong. Happy birthday to my oldest son, Marty. Turns 12 years old today. Happy birthday, Marty. Oh, and happy Flag Day. And happy Flag Day. Oh, and oh. it's Donald Trump's birthday, too. Wow. So we fluffed him on his birthday. Oh, well, we're so nice. And we still didn't get paid. This is... <laughs> we suck. <laughs> all right. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we'll see you all next Monday. Uh, thank you again for tuning in to uh, Sports Clicks and Politics.